In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Jim and Vivian Pinnock kept daily routines both for early morning and late afternoon. Before daylight, the alarm would ring on his bedside. He would reach over to turn it off and slip out, while Vivian, who until Jim came into her life had slept late, stayed put for a bit, adjusting to the fact that chickens were still asleep and the Pinnocks were awake. Jim was by now in the kitchen starting coffee, putting oatmeal on the stove. He would drop two eggs in boiling water. These were for him. Taking two more eggs, he would separate whites from yolks, scramble the whites for Vivian. When all was ready, he would come back to the bedroom with a full tray, oatmeal for two, his and her eggs, pot of black coffee, jumbo size, in the morning paper. Reaching for the light switch, he would softly warn her, watch your eyes. He'd flip on the lights, bring the tray to bed, and climb back in. And for the next little while, the couple would eat their breakfast side by side, trading sections of the paper, discussing news, weather, and sports in turn as they slowly drained the jumbo cup pot of coffee. And at last he was up to shower and dress and off to face the world. The way Jim Pinnock faced the world ranged along a spectrum from competitive to feisty. He was always competitive in sports and often feisty as to law. I'm speaking here from personal experience. As tennis-playing kids, Jim and I were doubles partners, good enough to be ranked one year, but not close to good enough to cope with anyone named Bailey or our good friend Herbert Thomas. In those matches, Jim's grip on his racket would loosen up a little bit in the second set. We were laughing about that last Thursday. And Jim allowed that the reason he took up golf was that he was tired of getting beat by Herbert. I wish I'd thought of that. He grew up to be a lawyer with that competitive spirit still fully operational. Raise your hand if you are a priest and you've been sued by Jim. It was not for religious malpractice. <laughs> Some years ago, I was on a, in a boardroom out of town hearing a routine report on pending litigation. The company lawyer asked if I, being from Little Rock, might have heard of an especially combative opposing counsel. And when he told me the name, I laughed and said, yep, he's a good friend of mine. Enjoy the ride. Call him Jim because that's his name and it's a proud one. James Henry Pinnock III. I've known all three Jim Pinnocks, and if I had that name, I'd use it too. But I'm glad that when we were face to face, he let me call him Bebo. That was his name when Herbert introduced us in the seventh grade. 
We carpooled to Central our junior and senior years of high school. I will describe his driving as competitive to feisty. <laughs> with competitive meaning Talladega and feisty meaning Mad Max. Pop quiz. If you were driving home at night alone just after midnight and ran out of gas on Cantrell Hill and it was cold and raining and you were walking up the hill with an empty gas can and Bebo happened by, saw you in trouble, opened the door and with a great big smile offered you a ride, what's the correct answer? <laughs> the correct answer is thanks, but I'm sure there'll be a bus along any minute. <laughs> Friday morning at St. Vincent's, Jim told me, I've got to get back to work. And then, reflecting on the growing odds against that outcome, he added, I just need to keep the faith. By that, I think he meant equal parts faith in God and faith in the many good doctors who were doing all they could to pull him out of his condition. He wanted to live, of course. We all do. The good things in life are real, and they're important. And they are also reciprocal. We are both givers and receivers of them. It's not just that when we die, we lose the world. It also loses us, and he knew that. He died Friday afternoon. Getting the call, I got back to the hospital just after Claire had reached her father's bedside. I saw her love for him on her face, knowing that that same love was in her sisters and in his sisters and his mother and in his wife. And I thought, what a treasure all that was to him being loved like that by family. I told Claire who I was, and that I'd known her dad for 50 years, and she said to me, he was a good man. And then facing the bed, she said it to him, firmly, with a full heart, not only for herself, but for everyone who loved him. You are a good man. The proof of that was in the love that she was reflecting back to him. The love that he gave to her, he was now receiving back times three or 30 or 300. Pop quiz. What's the value of a life like that? This room will tell you. It's built to tell you. For the last few months, we've been reshuffling the organ pipes just so it can tell you that much better. And the correct answer is priceless. Jim was christened in the baptistry behind you. Probably in those days, the witnesses were mostly family gathered around the font. The James Henry Penix Sr. and Jr. would have been there, along with Babs and Mary and Barbie. Name this child, Dean Lewis said, James Henry Pinnock III. James Henry, I baptize thee 
In the name of the Father, a splash of water surprises Jim. And of the Son, a second splash. And of the Holy Spirit. And by the third splash, I bet he was feeling feisty. And simple as that, he was marked as Christ's own forever. Forever didn't end last Friday. One of my teachers wrote a book in which he turned Christian faith around into a set of disbeliefs. For example, instead of saying we believe that God is the creator of the world and us, he could say we don't believe the world and life are meaningless and accidental. Instead of saying Christ was raised from the dead, we could say that we don't believe that death was doomed for Jesus. There are many things that we don't believe as Christians. We do not believe that Friday afternoon we saw the last of Jim. To believe that it was the last of him we saw, we would have to believe that there is no God who loved him like his mother and his sisters and his wife and daughters, or that this loving God tragically was powerless to save him. As to the first point, St. Paul asks rhetorically, who is to condemn? It is Christ who died and who was then raised and who intercedes on our behalf. That is to say, that the love of Jim's daughters, for example, for their father, was godlike. They were born loving him. It's their nature. If he was found at fault in some respects, of course they would take his side and plead his case, just as he would have done for them ferociously. Paul means that God is like that too. And in the final reckoning, meeting God is not like going to a courthouse to plead the value of our lives before a judge. It's a lot more like going home for Christmas. As to the question of God's power to raise the dead to life, disbelief in that is a bet against the gospel. I couldn't do that. Neither my head nor my heart would let me. I said that Jim and Vivian had two routines. The first was for sunrise, the second for sunset. The afternoon ritual was for them to join up after a hard day's work and motor over to the country club, stock the cart with liquid concoctions, and ride out onto the golf cart course, up and down hills that on snowy days we had slatted on as children, and along a fairway where we would play football after school. It shows that there is grace in golfers that they let us get away with that for years. Jim and Vivian would wind their way to a certain spot with a panoramic view of downtown Little Rock. And there, side by side again, they would quietly sip their cups and soak in the view and enjoy one another's company. We always wanted that view, downtown. As children, we learn about Arkansas's three distinct geological regions, Delta to the east, Mountains to the west and north, pine woods towards the gulf, each with its own culture. Those three districts just happened to converge in Little Rock. So, 
Perched on a rugged hilltop, sitting in his golf cart, Jim can see down to Cypress Bottoms, the river that bisects the state, parses downtown in Argenta. He loved this town and this whole state. He was deeply rooted in a sense of place. Looking at downtown, his mind's eye would sweep east out to Bearskin Lake. On prom night, we had our after party there, his guests. Pop quiz, complete the sentence. What happens in Scott? <laughs> Further east, his mind could reach out to Pin Oak, where his father taught him how to handle a boat and clear the prop and lead a duck, and where he and Carol, the uncle who was like a younger brother, shared years of happy hunting. Bebo calling them softly, busting them high, and claiming them before they hit the water. And Carol laughing and interceding for him. You can't argue with genetics. Looking at the river from the golf cart, Jim's memory could head upstream a ways back towards Pinnacle, where the Pinnock boys and friends would tube or water ski, and the rule was that if you didn't wipe out and bust your tail, it just meant you weren't trying hard enough, and they wouldn't let you in the boat until you did. Then, refilling his cup, his memory would keep going west up the river through the valley below Pettyjean and Mount Nebo, on past Russellville, home of Waterburger on Highway 7 going up for lunch, and the Old South on Highway 64 coming back for dinner, until finally turning north at Ozark and heading up the pig trail, and back through time to when Frank was coach, Montgomery to Dicus, Hatfield catching punts. He gets a block, and there he goes. Lance Allworth, Lloyd Phillips, Billy Moore. It says in Scripture, they were the glory of their times. And returning to the here and now, his eyes on the city skyline, buildings turning on their lights as daylight dwindles, and there's the bank. Tall and handsome, a little taller, he smiles, remembering than the one next door. And now he goes back again in time. There's his father in his office. And going further back, James Pinnock Sr. Because for generations, this house fueled economic growth in Arkansas, touching lives through the mountains and the pine woods and the delta. No wonder he liked to look. This all was home, and it was special to him, and he to us.